Being busy is not the criteria for success. And sometimes that makes us adrenaline junkies feel good. You know, oh, what a day we had. We were busy the whole day. Yeah, but what did we accomplish for God? So that's not the criteria for success. And Jesus modeled something for us that I want you all to hear. Let me ask you a question. Did Jesus solve all the problems and take care of all the needs in his three years of ministry? No, he didn't even attempt to do that. But he was over here at one point, and he was ministering to the multitudes, and he, was, and he healed those over there, and he healed this one here, and he delivered these, and he ministered to those over there. But the rest of them were all clamoring for attention and I needs and need. We have needs and crisis here. Needs, help, help, needs. And he turned. He turned from the needs. And he said, I must go. I must go. I must be with the Father. I must go. And he left the needs. Why? So that he could be with the Father. Why? Why did he do that? so that he could accomplish the primary purpose for which he was sent. He was sent for a primary purpose. And he had to accomplish the primary purpose at the expense of all these needs. Now, don't get an attitude, you know, that guy with the mustache, he doesn't care about people's needs. Yeah, I care about them, and I'll show you how to meet all the people's needs. We'll, we'll, we'll figure that out here along the way. How are we going to meet all the needs? But not you. And Jesus didn't meet all the needs. Now, why am I telling you this? Because everybody in this room has primary needs for God. God created you. He ordained you. He wove you and formed you in your mother's womb so that you could accomplish his primary needs, the macro needs for God, what God needs, the things that matter for God. And we can't sacrifice those at the expense of meeting all these needs. Please get this in your spirit. Get this etched in your spirit so you can make the change. You cannot meet, that's not your assignment to meet all the needs. Your assignment is to lead and design and direct your ministry to meet the needs. You have to meet the primary purpose. This is what a leader does. So what is the definition of the person that's here? where the green arrow is, where the leader is supposed to be. And when you're here, you're going to have maximum response and, to God's mandates. Maximum response. But what do you do if you're here? What's, what is the job of a leader then, based on what I, just showed, what I just told you? And primary needs. Well, here you are today, right here. And there's where God told you to go. Now, don't write this down. Just get it in your spirit first, and I'll tell it to you so you can write it down. But here you are today, right here. This is where you stand today, all of us, this place. And that's where we're going. That's the V up there. That's where we're headed. And this is the straight line, the shortest distance between where we are today and where we're headed for God. That's the vision. And your responsibility as a leader is to never take your eye off of what it is God wants. Never take your eye off of what it is God wants. When you're down here helping somebody blow an instrument or doing their job, you're not focused on what God wants, and God has no leader. So your responsibility is to never take your focus off of what it is God wants. And then you... The only, this is the straight and narrow right here. This is the shortest distance between two points, from here to where God's leading us. 
and anything else is wandering around in the wilderness. You know that story. It took, what, 11 days or something? You could have gotten from here to there, but they wandered around in the wilderness. Your job is to never take your eye off of what it is God wants. That way, and you're looking down here, you're looking down the straight and narrow, the shortest distance between two points, the most efficient and effective route to set that thing free, what he told you to do. And the only way you could do that is look down the pipeline here and you would see something that's off the mark. Whether it's a result like this, or whether it's a behavior that's unrighteous, or lack of excellence, lack of professionalism, lack of following these methods, systems, and processes, if you, if you, once you believe in them and begin to put them in place, then those are things that are off the mark. And your job is to never take your eye off of what God wants. That way, you will always see things that are off the mark. Somebody has to do that. And if you're not doing it, it's not happening. And that's why ministries are chaotic and crisis-filled and wandering all over in the wilderness. Somebody has to lead. Somebody has to do this job. And it's yours as a leader. If you're a department head or a division head, this is what you do. You never take your eye off of what God wants. So now you can write this down. Leadership is directing constructive change toward God's desired future. Not your desired future. Not some department head's desired future. God's desired future. Leadership is directing constructive change toward God's desired future. So we make sure we get there. So we set that thing free. Leadership is directing constructive change toward God's desired future. And that's what Jesus modeled. It's not about being busy. Success comes from what we say no to. You have to discipline yourself. You have to say, no, I can't do that. It's not that these needs aren't, aren't important. But what's important to God? What are the macro matters? What matters most to God? And then we'll teach other people to do the other matters, the micro matters. But what matters to God is your job. And you can never take your eye off of what matters to God. And when we do the job description and teach you how to stay in that leadership position, we're getting to that, then you will understand this even better. But it's not about being busy. I got a call from a pastor one day, and I said, hey, pastor, how you doing? He said, I'm really ticked off. I said, what's the matter? He said, we've never worked harder than we have this year. We have never worked harder. I said, yeah. And he said, yeah, and we have nothing to show for it. He said, my wife and I have worked so hard this year. My leaders, bless their heart, they've worked so hard this year. I mean, they just poured themselves into this. And, I mean, we work not, you know, 24-7. And, uh, but, we, but we got nothing to show for it. And I'm so frustrated. And I said, well, what accounts for that? He said, I knew you were going to ask me that question. I almost didn't call you. But, but, I, but I never tell anybody. I ne when I coach, I don't give them the answer. I let them think it through. You figure it out for yourself. Then I'll tell you whether you're on the right track, and I'll add to it. But you've got to learn to stop thinking for people. We've got to develop their ability to think. So, but, but we have nothing to show for it. And well, why? Well, because I didn't evaluate. I didn't stay focused. I didn't watch to see where we are. Where. I didn't monitor. And we drifted off, and we drifted off over here. We were, just bu we were busy running all over the place, but we didn't get that. We didn't set that free. And so I have nothing to show for what God asked me to do, even though we were busy all year. And so about an hour after this pastor hung up, 
I, an anointing came on me. I'm not a cartoonist. An anointing came on me, and I drew the cartoon on page 21. And there's, there's the CEO on the left. See the little laptop? And look at the leaders. They really have a clue, right? So I drew this, and then the caption, I wrote the caption. Now that we've worked like crazy all year long, meeting everyone's needs, fixing every crisis and chaos, does anyone remember what it was God wanted us to accomplish? That's funny and sad. And it hurts if it's real. So we have to be focused on what matters to God. Number three up here. Leaders are not developed. The third manifestation of the dysfunction of doing is that leaders are not developed. Leaders not developed. Let's unpack this for a while. Let me give you another definition of leadership. Leadership, and let me write it up here, the two key words. Leadership is the stewardship. Leadership is the stewardship of those that God has entrusted to us. The, the stewardship of those that God has entrusted to us. Two key words in that statement. Leadership is the stewardship of those that God has entrusted to us. So just like the tithes and the offerings, they're sanctified unto God. They're precious to God. How much more precious are the people who give than what they give to God? And so he expects us to steward them. But he also, every, every tithe and every offering and every gift beyond that that comes in is sanctified unto God, and it, to go, it goes to build God's kingdom work. Right? I mean, you, you make sure every penny goes to build God's kingdom work. We're, we treat it with sanctity. Well, we need to treat the people that give with the same level of sanctity. So we have a responsibility for their stewardship, stewarding the people as well as stewarding their money. We know about that. But let, we have to have the responsibility of stewarding God's people, and they've been entrusted to us. What does that mean? What does that mean that they were entrusted to us? Well, he put them right here next to you and me. He puts these people right here. You say, yeah, I know. Where did he get them from? Where does he get those people? You know? I mean, I wouldn't even go have pizza with half of these people. You know what? Where did he get these people from? No, he put them right here for good reason. Put them right here next to you. Why? Why, did, why does he put people next to you and me? He puts them right here next to us because there's something in here he wants in them. Otherwise, he'd give them to somebody else. That's how strategic he is. He's not just winging people, you know, let's fling some people over there to Germany and then give the guy, you know, the Jamaica some people, the Bahamas, you know, winging them around. No, it's, he's strategic. Our God is strategic. He had a plan from the beginning of time. It's amazing. I don't understand it, but that's what the Word says. And he, so he puts them right here next to us because there's something in here that he needs in them. That's they're entrusted to us. They weren't just dumped on us. They were entrusted to us. And we're supposed to add value to them. We're supposed to disciple them. The world knows more about discipleship than we do. They don't use that word. They call it training and developing people. But they, they eat our lunch when it comes to discipleship. They, they, they practice this thing far more than we even comprehend at times. So... 
Leadership is the stewardship of those. We're supposed to add value to people. I ask pastors, say, I say, sir, on a scale of 1 to 10, well, let me back up here. Uh, we'll use the scale of 1 to 10 for a couple things here. On a scale of 1 to 10, and this is a good tool when you're working with your people. If you want to find out some things, if you want to scratch and sniff and find out what's going on, this scale of 1 to 10, where do you think we are? But in this case, I said to the first thing I did, I'm backing up here for just a minute. I said, Pastor, where's your intimacy with God based on this definition? Not to be in that word to give, um, bring a message to me or to the sheep, but in the word, not to be on the radio program, not to counsel, not to get on TV, hosted show, uh, not to write your book, not to go out on the mission field and preach. When are you in here for you? When is this cutting asunder those things that are not of God in you? Oh, and, oh, well, you know, wow. I mean, based on that definition. Uh, now, you know, I, got, I mean, it didn't used to be like this, sir. I said, I, I'm sure it wasn't. But it's gotten, you know, it's just overwhelming. And I, I, I can't find time with God. I'm a five or six, and this is the average. The average client, the average is a five or six. That's where it nets out. Five or six on a 10-point scale. Now, I say, where, where are you with your leadership development? Where, where, where is that? How, how are you doing with your leaders and your leadership development? Oh, well, that's much better. That's feeling better very quickly here. That's a nine. And I say, really? Great. That's great. What do you do? Well, you know, leadership, the, the 10 points of leadership. And I said, yeah, well, the 10 points of leadership, like what? And they look at me like, why are we paying this guy the big bucks? You know, he doesn't even know the 10 points of leadership. And I said, well, I said, no, I mean, what are the 10 you use? And what do you do with them? Well, we have our lecture every month. We have the 10-point uh, lecture. And we're serious. I mean, we, we take attendance. We even bought a clipboard. You should see it. It's really neat. And we take attendance and we pound it into them every month, the 10 points. Yeah, we, I mean, we, it's in there, believe me. And we, we, we mandate that they're there every month. I say, well, like, what are the 10 points? Well, 10 points of leadership, you know. Look sharp, be sharp, act sharp, sharpen up, and six other really sharp things. And I said, okay, what else do you do, sir? No, this thing, Thelma, bring the, bring the training manual out here. I want this guy to see what it is we do. I said, sir, I, I, I don't need to see it. It sounds really right. <laughs> but what else do you do? Well, what else is there? What else is there? I said, sir, there's real-time coaching. There's real-time coaching capitalizing on every teachable moment just like Jesus he capitalized on every teachable moment it was an opportunity to add value to someone to his disciples he said guys sit down right there he didn't wait until you know we just keep working and working and then someday we'll get to it and have a big performance evaluation oh whoopee he said, sit down, guys, pull up a rock. Let's, let's learn something here. And, he, and they sat down, and he taught them. See, pastors say to me all the time, they don't seem to have my heart. 
They don't get your heart from look sharp, be sharp, and lectures. They get your heart when you invest your heart in them, when you pour into them. And you can't do this enough. It's about build. you'll see when we get to the process, it's about building a relationship. It's about partnering with them for success, for God. And it, the, the, now you can't do this with everybody. You're not sitting, he didn't sit down with the multitudes. He sat down with those that he was discipling. He was building a succession plan. He had only three years to do it. And we're, we're over here, we're going to get to how to do that. We're going to look at how he did it and then how we do it. But he had to build a succession plan. He had three precious years. So every time there was an opportunity to add value to someone, they sat down. Okay, so let's stop right here, guys. Sit down. Let's learn something. And that's what he did. And that's what we have to do. And that's where we put our heart in them. They get our heart. They'll, they'll, they'll fight for the vision. They'll fight for you. They'll defend you. Because, but we're adding value to them. And we're missing this. The world system knows this. And I'll get to that in, in just a minute. But it's what we can put in them. Here comes the next person God sends. Here they come. And uh, you, this isn't your heart. You never, you, you, you know, we just heard about compassion. You have compassion. This is not your heart. But here comes the next person that comes along. And we tend to look at them like, because we're so behind the curve, we're so frustrated, we got so much to do, and it's taken so long, and we, got so few, we keep so few of the ones God sends, and we train so few of the ones we keep, and here comes the next person, and we tend to look at them as to what we can get out of them instead of what we can put in them. And we're not building a succession. We're not building generational leadership here. But we tend, and that's not your heart. You never planned to do that. Nobody ever thought, let's see how I can abuse this person by just we're getting all I can out of them and not putting nothing in them. But, but what is God? So, so we tend to see people like that when we're anxious and frustrated and behind the curve and can't get anything done, whether it's you, the pastors or whether it's you department heads and division heads, whatever. We all tend to think like that erroneously. But God puts them right here. How does God see this person? And this is, you know this, I'm just coaching you. I'm encouraging you to make a change. How does God see this person? Well, he puts them right here next to you. Because of what? There's something in here he wants in them. Otherwise, he'd give them to someone else. It's you. He's counting on you. There's something uniquely in here that that person needs. Or he'd give them to someone else. Right? An amen once in a while helps, you know. I don't know. But God sees, puts them right here because there's something in you that he needs in them so that conceivably, they can, 20 years from, God's not in a hurry. I mean, he, he has a timetable, and we're usually way behind it. But God, God is not in a hurry here. He, 20 years from now, he may need to have what you need to put in them today or tomorrow so they can go six time zones that direction to one of those flags and 14 blocks to the right and start a work or touch a soul because of what you put in them tomorrow. That's, that's God. That's how God thinks. That's our responsibility. These are not people that are just hirelings or people that are just going get to get stuff done. These are people that we have to train and develop for future generations of leaders. And it's done this way. There's only one way to do it. You sit them or get them around you, but you can only do it with your team. And we're going to learn. 
when you do it well with your team, when you model it with your team, when you put the expectation on your team that what I just did with you, which is what he did, he said, okay, now you, you're going to be doing this to others, for others. Then you're going to build a ministry and we're going to be discipling people the way God intended them to be discipled. See, it doesn't matter whether you're a $5 billion company, a 50-member church, a 500-member church, a 15,000-member church. It doesn't matter. When you run out of leaders, you run out, you're finished. So we better start keeping the ones God sends, and we better start training the ones we keep.